Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and anarchists of all ages, welcome to the Dark Lord Reapers United States of Anarchy podcast. Who am I? I'm the man without a plan, the Dark Lord himself, the Nightmare King, giving you unapologetic truth and hardcore facts. If you're looking for celebrity gossip, this is not the podcast for you. We deal with real topics and real situations and real discussions for real things. And occasionally we have fun over here. If you don't like what I have to say, two words, don't listen to me. Boycott my podcast, boycott my social media, boycott my music, my brand, anything that has my name attached to it. It's that simple, people. If you And you know my slogan over here. If you were offended, I meant it. Now, I told you guys I'd be back soon, and well, here I am. Once again, I'd like to thank all my listeners and all my fans in advance for listening to me. It's because of you guys, I even have a platform. So I'm going to keep doing it hardcore until you guys get, until they finally get decide to get rid of me, which they won't, because they know I they need me to say the things that they're too afraid to say. Now, I wish I was coming on this podcast to say something a little bit more, talk about a topic that's a little bit more fun and laughable, but this story that I'm going to bring to light is something that is not funny, and it happens too often in this country, the miscarriage of justice and people being wrongfully convicted for crimes that the justice systems knows full on well they are not guilty of. In this case, we are talking about the case of Julius Jones. Who is he? What happened? What happened? What went wrong in his case? I'm going to break that down, and of course, I'm going to have a few guests that are going to help me out. Some Some familiar faces, as well as some new ones. So buckle up, hold on tight, and let's have some fun. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Now, before we get into the until we get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's topic, let me introduce some new guests and reoccurring guests that you have come to accustomed to hearing. Now, our first guest, she is familiar with our podcast. She once again took the midnight train all the way up to Georgia. Please, from Georgia, sorry. Please welcome Destiny. Hey, thank you for having me. Our second guest, he was once a proud member of our armed forces, but now he's a civilian and now he can say and do as he pleases. Please welcome David. Hello, how's it going, guys? And our new guest, who is new to the anarchy, she started her podcast called Memoirs of a Plush Queen. Please welcome Conchita. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hi. So our our fourth guest is usually our everyone's favorite Latino with a thousand and one things to say, Charlene. But she'll be here later on. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to say Happy New Year and welcome back. And for our newcomer, welcome to the Anarchy. Yeah, hopefully uh, 2022 won't be too bad. That's all we can hope for, right? Right. So, basically, David was the one that brought this conversation to my, brought this 
case to my attention, the story of Julius Jones. But the question is, who is he? Um, yes, well, um, I guess I could go into more about the case, but, um, basically there were a lot of misconceptions regarding the, uh, Julius Jones clemency case, and this is one of those situations where despite the fact that Jones did not have a necessarily clean record, regardless, um, I felt like after going over the case that it was pretty apparent that there was some, uh, there's some nonsense at play going on as to why he received a life sentence. That's what I was thinking, because if someone's given clemency, why are they still being held? Exactly. But for those of you, our lovely listeners who are at home that have no clue what we're talking about, Julius Jones was a young man that many, too many young men in this country who was falsely accused of murder in 1990, arrested at home, convicted in the year 2000, and has spent the last 20 years on death row, and was finally given clemency, but still being incarcerated from death row to life in prison. Yep, pretty much. Um, so, while I haven't heard a lot of misconceptions from uh, this case in particular, Nevertheless, there are some that some people may not be aware of. Um, it is mostly true that Jones did have a uh, history of a of prior violent criminal offenses for the murder of Paul Howell, who was the uh, man he supposedly murdered. Um, but, however, this in the grand scheme of things, in terms of this case, it's all irrelevant. It's, it's the same. It's the same stuff that people find whenever a person is needlessly murdered by the police. Yeah, basically. However, there's an accusation that uh, the jurors in this case were pretty suspect. Um, in fact, there is a claim going about stating that a juror claimed another juror used the N-word to refer to Jones during his trial, which um, was made in court, and it is in fact true. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, um, one of the jurors said, and I quote, during the trial, I was the juror who went to the judge with the comment from another juror about how it was all a waste of time and, quote-unquote, they should just take the N-word out and come up from the jail. Although, that juror was never removed and nothing further came of it. Wow. So, basically, that was said in 1990. That sounds like something that was said during 1960. Oh, for sure, and the fact that this happened... 1999, the year that Star Wars Episode One was released to theaters, that kind of year. Yeah. And um, there's also another claim that that states that DNA from a red bandana police found with the murder weapon at Jones' house matched Jones. Which, um, well, police did find the gun that was used to kill Howell in the attic of uh, Jones' parents' house. Mm-hmm. Um, Howell's family testified the killer wore, wore a, brand, a, a red bandana, and apparently there is an accomplice to the murder. Um, Jones claims Christopher Jordan, who testified against Jones and admitted to being an accomplice in the Howell slaying, uh, placed the gun there. Uh-huh. Now, I was reading that part, and I find it amazing. Like, the guy, Christopher Jones, 
And frankly speaking, I don't care if he hears this, if he's still alive, he's worse than a snitch. It's one thing to tell on somebody that you made an agreement to commit a criminal act to save yourself. It's another thing to frame an innocent person who had nothing to do with the crime. There's actually, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to point out that there was a uh, testing conducted in 2018 that found there is one chance in 110 million that the DNA on the bandana does not match Jones. No blood or any other biological material was found on the bandana, and Jones' attorneys have said that it's because the bandana was at house um, at his house. The uh, DNA does not prove he wore it the night of Howell's murder. Which means that the DNA sample, on top of that, belongs to three or more other people were found on the bandana. So, the samples are so degraded, they can't fully compare to other DNA profiles, which means you can't link it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One other thing about speaking of um, Christopher Jordan, he received a yeah. lesser sentence for testifying against Jones at trial, and he reportedly bragged to other inmates about it. Yes. So again, this is all kind of, uh, this is all very familiar for many people. And, you know, again, one of the cases where I think Oklahoma should definitely reconsider opening into this case again, because I, I strongly believe that Julius Jones is of this crime. Seems and he was dealt a dirty hand, according to what we're seeing here. Basically, like we've seen with cases like the Central Park Five, the Scottsbury Boys, Chanel Lewis, and the list goes on, the justice system fails because it's like, it's saying, we don't care who did the crime, we just know that someone's gonna pay for this. Right. Yeah. Um, again, this is where critical race theory comes into play. And it's funny how so many people misunderstand it, yet it kind of explain it, it explains these kind of situations, you know. And it's sad. It really is. It's um. It's why I've, I always tell people they should vote locally for progressive um, politicians because anything like anything that can at least give us a head start will hopefully lead to this kind of outcome not happening. Like the fact I'm, that it's 2021 and we're still talking about it. Yeah. Why the, the fact, fact that, that it's 2022 and it's still happening. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that like, yeah, I, I actually helped protest um, trying to get him off death row. It wasn't easy, but it literally took mere hours before we were able to make any sort of progress and it kind of felt like People just disappeared, like as if, yep, our job's done, he's alive, but, you know, he's still behind bars, so technically, is he still alive? He's Life without alive. a possibility of parole. He's buried alive. Literally, he... He's... He's not living. Yeah. And this is the part that people don't understand. And I was gonna save this for my final thoughts. When it's one thing when you commit a crime and you go behind bars and rebuild and then you come back out into into society. It's another thing when you're being punished for something you didn't even do. And then decades after the fact, they decide you're innocent. Keyword decide that, oh, he was innocent all along. 
and they let you back into society and you don't know how to function because you weren't rehabilitated the right way. It's not about rehabilitation, it's about profit. Yeah. Profit and punishment. Um, Right. Yeah. So, Conchita, anything to contribute before we go to the next segment? Well, technically, it baffles me a hell of a lot because as much as I try looking into it, I try to get all the details of the business to keep the same thing, but yet they're not really looking for the right thing at the same time. They're saying that if you were told, why don't you just Around six people, but to spend 23 hours in a cell and only one hour out that's not living. That's like this dude in a cockroach trying to scrounge up something to eat before the light comes on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I actually started following this guy on YouTube because apparently he spent a good time behind bars. Shouts out to Jay Williams. And he tells prison stories about his time behind bars and the do's and the don'ts that he learned and some of the things that he's seen. And he talks about a lot of prison facilities. And one of these facilities is similar, if not the same facility that Mr. Julius Jones is being housed in. And one of the things they like to do that at that facility, if the COs don't like you or you disobey them for whatever reason, they they don't beat you like they do on Rikers Island. Shouts out to the turtles. <laughs> because that's what they're called. When they come in with the riot gear, they're called turtles. They don't beat you, they don't mace you. They put their dogs on you. It's just this right. emphasis on punishment, you know, on trying to show dominance and power as opposed to rehabilitation. Yeah, and it's like you could do the job without becoming sadistic. Because I heard someone who was incarcerated, like this is a good friend of mine, I won't say his name. He said the only difference between a CO and an inmate, the CO gets a gun, can call for help, and can leave at the end of the day. And they they volunteered. Yeah. No one volunteers to be incarcerated unless you work for 60 days in. But that's a reality TV show that I look at like, wow. So imagine having to endure that and you were on death row. And you're innocent. Yeah. And you probably have no criminal history you're not the toughest guy. You're not even a fighter. And that's the thing, too. I also want to point out, too. Um, any sort of criminal past that Jones may have, they're not felonies. There you go. That's the also important thing that, especially when you hear, for example, a lot of people go after George, George Floyd, a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff they mention, not felonies. And even if they were felonies, it's irrelevant to the fact that, you know, his life was stolen for him from him, too. Yeah. Exactly. What we watched, what happened to George Floyd was a public execution. Because many police officers that I've spoken to, they said the second the cuffs went on him and they got him in the back seat, it should have been down to the station. Yep. So why are you taking him out of the, the car? Lack of accountability. 
yeah. And but most importantly, too, like, why would you put your knee on his on his neck when he was already cuffed in the first place? Because here's the thing most people don't know. George Floyd and former officer Derek, they both know each other personally. And Derek and George Floyd was supposed to testify against him in court. Yep. He, was supposed, he was supposed to testify against him. And one thing cops hate, they don't like people going up against them in court. They don't True. like it. Well, how can, you, how can you get away with murder if people catch you doing it? Because I learned this. This is apparently a trick that cops do. Like, I heard this from a former police officer. When they want to brutalize you or justify them doing it, they yell the words, stop resisting. Yep. So even if you are complying and they're beating the hell out of you, onlookers will say, well, he needs to stop resisting so that won't happen to you. Because when you are hit, for those people who have never been in a fight before, when you get hit in the face or feel any kind of pain, two things kick in, fight or flight. If, you, if you're not the fighting type, you're going to try to run away. If you're a person that fights and is willing to fight, you're going to put your hands up or put your hands in the way to stop whatever's happening from happening. So naturally, it's a way of, okay, he's fighting back, so he's resisting arrest, so I have the reason to beat the skin off this guy. And there's a power imbalance in that equation for sure. Yeah. Some people blame poor training. Other people say have one thing to say or another thing to say. But right is wrong. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. But I'm gonna end this segment here, people. When we come back, we are going to get into the actual crime itself. Exactly what happened. Everybody good with that? Can't complain. Yeah. Okay. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. So in this segment, we are going to cover, now that we've gone over Julius Jones, exactly what is his crime. So we're just waiting for more people to join us. So Destiny, um, you didn't say much in the previous um, segment. How do you feel about this? Because you've had your issues with law enforcement. Honestly, it's just, I, I guess, like, the main thing I should say is, like, really infuriating. You know, and then the fact that, yeah, we're looking at this case from, you know, from 99, but the fact that this is still happening even in 2022, that's the most yeah. frustrating part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a, a similar case that's been happening. A similar case recently happened three years ago, the case of Chanel Lewis. For those of you who have forgotten him, I haven't. It's about a kid who is mentally challenged, accused of murdering a young lady in New York, in Ozone Park, New York. The same Ozone Park that has such a lovely history with black people. Now, if this young man is supposed to be mentally challenged, how could you interrogate him without proper representation? 
so from what I gather, it looks like he was coerced into um, confessing to that murder. That's uh, actually pretty common. And it happens a lot. And not in the way you think. Not always in the same way you think. I don't know for anyone who has watched the documentary series that was on Netflix called The 13th. It talks about how people get railroaded within the prison system, the justice system, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things that they do, the pro bono lawyers that are supposed to be representing you, they're the same ones that tell you, you should sign the plea deal because if you take it to court, you're going to lose anything. And they're not supposed to do that. And you sign the plea deal not knowing what you're signing. Basically, your confession to a crime that you know you didn't do, but you just want to go home. You know what I mean? But exactly, the topic is exactly what did, what was Julius Jones actually accused of? Well, um... Julius Jones was accused of murdering a uh, businessman from Edmond, Oklahoma, which is pretty much a part of Oklahoma City. Um, Paul Howell. He was uh, murdered in a predominantly white neighborhood, mm-hmm. which um, should raise some eyebrows for, for people who know about very similar cases to this one. Uh-huh. Another thing is he was he was at home having dinner with his parents and sister at the time of the murder. However, his legal team did not present his alibi at his original trial. His trial attorneys also did not call Mr. Jones or his family members to the stand, which, you know, probably could have rectified the situation. Or at least created a reasonable doubt that too um Mr. Jones also did not match the description of the person who committed the crime which was provided by a sole eyewitness the person who killed Mr. Howell was described as having an inch or two of hair but Mr. Jones had a shaved head guess who um, matched that description Christopher Jordan for driving Yep, he, the supposed getaway driver, not the shooter. Because when I read the case, it said that he, he said that he's on saying that, he's on record saying that he didn't do the crime itself. All he did was drive the car. You're still involved in the crime. But... For him, he only served 15 years, and he's a free man. A free man that still has blood on his hands, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think evidence is pointing to um, Christopher Jordan. But, unfortunately, we have this thing in our country called Double Jeopardy. For those of you who don't know what Double Jeopardy is, once you've been charged for a crime, and you beat it in court, you cannot be charged for that crime again. And he already served time for said crime. But it, it becomes tricky because remember, he served time to be an accomplice, not the actual murder. 
So that's where it gets tricky again. So there were three people who were incarcerated with Mr. Jordan at different times, and they have said in sworn affidavits that Mr. Jordan told each of them that he committed the murder and framed Mr. Jones for it. Um, they None of these men have met Mr. Jones. They don't know one another, and none of them have been offered a shorter sentence or incentive for disclosing Mr. Jordan's confession. So right there, you have three different individuals with no ties to each other saying that Mr. Jordan is making shit up, basically. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. I, yeah. And here's the thing that people need to understand. There is nothing more desperate than a man trying to get out of prison or trying to escape going to prison. Prison and, sucks, you know. Oh, yeah. But since we're on the topic of prison, let's talk about some of the worst prisons in America that are similar to the facility that Mr. Jones is being housed at. Pelican Bay, one of the roughest prisons in the on the West Coast. They have another prison. I don't know if it's the same prison. It's, yes, it is. Pelican Bay, aka the Shoot. That is a maximum facility prison where inmates are only allowed out of their cells for one hour. They are locked down 24, 23 hours a day. A Christmas card could land you in a hole in Pelican Bay. Yeah, because that's considered contraband. Another infamous prison, San Quentin Penitentiary. Now that is a place that I wouldn't even want to put a dog in. Very unsanitary. That's putting it lightly. Yes. Another facility that they have the, the death penalty. Um, it's in Richmond, VA, the same <laughs> vlogger that I told you guys about. He has family that's there. It's called Orange Onion. That is the same facility that if the guards don't like you or you did something that they don't like, they will put the dogs on you and they will deny you medical attention. And these are the type of things that innocent men have to endure while being incarcerated. The whole point is about punishment. It's not about rehabilitation. And, and as and as we all know, the result of having these inhumane prisons will just make harder criminals. It'll make people more pissed off at the system. Basically, a prime example of people who go, out, go into facilities like this and come out harder or hardened criminals are two fictional things that I've seen but it's based on reality the first one I think we've all seen this show at one point in time HBO's first hit series TV series and my personal stared straight program which I will break down analysis by analysis on a later episode Oz oh yeah great it's a really good show hard to watch at times it's tough to watch but talking about this it brings us brings up brings to mind a character that fits this description even though he did commit the crime tobias beecher 
He was, for those of you who've never seen the show, Tobias Beecher is basically an everyday guy. Pays his bills on time, never got so much as a parking ticket. There's a crime that he technically could have got a slap on the wrist, but he got hard time. And he was thrown to the wolves. Literally. And over time, he went to insanity. And that insanity turned to rage. And that rage made him basically a criminal. If you think about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And there's another movie that fits the same description. The main character was played by the actor who portrayed Jamie Lannister. I'm sure you guys know the, the, the name of the film. Committed the exact same crime, ended up in a hardcore prison, and had no choice but to join a white supremacist crew. The guy basically told his family, move on, have nothing to do with me. I don't want you guys anywhere close to me. Eventually, he ended up getting, he went on and on until he ended up getting life without the possibility of parole. But he, but he also did take over that prison gang. So I bring up these two scenarios, plus what we're talking about with Julius Jones, is how do we, like, it's a, it's a, like, this is a justice system that puts people that obviously are not like that with people who are hardened criminals. They've never been good. They were never raised to be good. They don't know what it is to be good. So with Julius Jones being on death row, the highest punishment that our justice system has to offer you, what would you say a guy like that being hard, being down, because he's been there for 20 years now, would you say he's transformed? Oh, the amount of trauma that that man is going through is just, I can never imagine it. And now we, and then it's like, it's the same thing that we see every, every other day. We are seeing people who don't believe, who don't belong behind bars end up like this. The most recent one, but but fortunately for her, the intervention, the intervention of a celebrity that got wind of her story, plus the outcry on social media, Cynthia Brown. Her case made absolutely no sense. She was forced into prostitution. A guy tried to rape her. He killed said rapist in self-defense. She's the one that went to jail. And was there for almost six years before someone got wind of her case and decided to help her get out. Fortunately for her, she got out, she put her life back together, and she got married to one of the people that was fighting for her to get out of prison. It is. And not only flawed, it's just ass backwards. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a book that I'm reading called American Prison by Shane Bauer, and it's about this um, 
about this reporter who actually spent months in an Iraq in an Iranian prison mm-hmm. prior to to this uh, investigation. Basically, he worked. He, he infiltrated this private prison in Louisiana as a, a CO. Right. A lot of his time there and what he saw, and it just goes to show that not only are prison systems essentially modern-day slavery, but essentially they were constructed as a loophole to after slavery was abolished, <laughs> as a way to like keep. Um, you know, black people in their place, according to them. That's just, it's that level of screwed up, but that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. And not to mention, certain judges have actually been, you know, paid off to fill the prisons as much as they can with black men. Yes, it is. This yep. is something that is, this is something that's on a record. In fact, I actually know a lady who was a friend of my mom. Her son, because they lived in Pennsylvania, a state that is known to do that, he was a witness to a crime and ended up doing six months in a facility. Imagine spending your turning 17 in prison for a crime that not only did you not do, but you witnessed the crime. Imagine that. Come to find out, come to find out the judge that was involved in his case was shown in a documentary being involved where he deliberately sends juveniles to prison for longer than they should have. So I don't know what became of the case, but it was known that this is what that judge was doing. And he had cops on the payroll, all that. Like, the money was trickling down. They make a lot of money out of this enterprise. Oh, yeah. A lot of money. Especially the warnings. <laughs> oh, and it's so easy to move, especially in various private prisons. It's pretty easy to move all the way up to wards. You just have to stick through all the nonsense. And atrocities you're going to see upon working at these kind of prisons. And meanwhile, you're just making bank. Yeah. And then you have these people that have power trips. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the rapper Casanova Tutan. Um, um, he was basically, I had the pleasure and displeasure of going to school with him because during his youth, he was one of the many neighborhood menaces in our neighborhood. In fact, at one point in time, he became one of the biggest gangsters in Brooklyn. And he was also, he was given the name of King of Flatbush Avenue. So, he's on a record saying while he was in juvenile hall, what the COs would do, the correctional officers, they just called them COs, they would set up scenarios where they knew a fight was guaranteed to happen. He said what they would do is, and this is something I've heard, and he said it so casually with a smile, but it's completely sadistic. And even he said it's sadistic. He said that they would take their, one of their desserts that they would get there is a cookie. And they would make the inmates fight for the cookie. Another scenario they would do, they would deliberately put 10 chairs in the day room where they watch TV. 
and they would know that whoever is sitting in that chair wants to sit in that chair. So whoever wants to sit down has to fight to get a chair. Things like that. You have to be an evil person to do these things. They don't see them as people. They see them as dollar signs and a number. Just a, they just see a bunch of felons. They don't see the humanity. They don't see humans behind them. And the, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this New York rapper turned activist, Myson. We know him as Myson the General. A lot of people call him the poor man's Lloyd Banks because he favors Lloyd Banks. One of his freestyles that basically put him back in the limelight after doing seven years in prison once again for a crime he had no part in. He came home and said, it's not, one of his lines, he said, they treat us like animals and it's not even subliminal. They got rid of slavery, so they can't call us slaves anymore, so they came up with a new word, criminal. And is he wrong? No. No, he is 100% right. And it's like, we need more guys like my son in the industry to tell kids, like, look, do not set yourself up for this. Because the system is set up for you to end up like this. So and play like... uh, I'm sorry, and, and the sad thing is, sometimes, I mean, you can you can say that, but some people end up in the system like like we were talking about that had absolutely nothing to do with anything and still end up a victim of the system. Yes. Another scenario that you guys have, everybody has seen this movie. It's counted as a comedy, but me personally, there was nothing funny about it. Even though there were jokes there, there was nothing funny about this movie. Life. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. I had just saw that again recently. Like, it had its funny moments, but the storyline, there was nothing funny about it. No. Because those guys basically lost 40 years of their life. Yep. And then the guy who set them up basically made a joke about it. He yeah. said, who cares? The state got 40 years out of it. It's just real. It's just extremely realistic to what, you know, African-Americans go through. And, and you know, even now, personally, just seeing people rally against, like, critical race theory and stuff like that, where it explains situations like what we are all seeing just asinine and then somebody said this they said that and i actually agree with it protesting racism like racism in itself is so woven into the fabric of american society that when you protest the racism it's like as if you are protesting racist you're protesting america right yep pretty much yep and I'm going to ask you this, David, because you served our armed forces proudly before you were discharged, correct? Yes. There has been numerous reports of gang activity within the armed forces, and particular groups, a lot of them joined the army to escape prosecution over the years, 
But what they do is they get the tr basic training, and when they get out of the army, they go back to their neighborhoods and train their friends. So they know how to properly shoot a gun, how to do this, how to do that. Could you actually say that during your time serving, did you ever notice like real gang activity within your within the time that you served? Um, not to my knowledge. And keep in mind, I'd like to specify that any information I'll say at this point is anecdotal. But my insight did not encounter in terms of you know gangs like like what most people think of the Bloods and Crips. I didn't see anything like that here. However. Um, I think the, the bigger thing I did see more often is some white nationalist rhetoric from some of the people I served with. Um, not all of them, and I had to I had to make I had to wonder whether they were just parroting off of like what other people said, or they actually believe it. And most of it, most of the time, yeah, they were just saying a bunch of stuff they didn't understand. But for others, I suspected they were you know white supremacists. Yeah, because it's a known fact that most groups like the Proud Boys or a lot of 3%er groups, and for the record, 3% groups, they are not necessarily racist. It's just that a lot of the time they're associated with racist because you have... They're extremists. Extre yeah. And they work with other extremists. So that's how they get lumped in. So I just wanted to specify that before I get a bunch of quote-unquote angry letters. And here's the other thing too. Then um, this is very important. I hear this all the time whenever I have debate conservatives who claim that people like Candace Owens they're not white nationalists because they're you know not white. The other thing to point I would like to point out with a lot of these groups is if you are spouting off white nationalist rhetoric, if you believe that white people are you know, I'm gonna say race here because they like to specify race as a way to dehumanize others who aren't like them. But in actuality, it's ethnicities we're talking about. But they say that, uh, what was it? Um, I lost my train of thought here, I apologize. <laughs> no problem. It's just a lot. It's just basically the notion that, um, what was it? Damn it, I hate when that happens. But it was on the topic of white nationalists and they, okay, there was a definition, duh. Um, the basic definition of white nationalists, white supremacist, says you do not have to be white to be a white nationalist. You oh, could be Hispanic, you could be Asian. If you're saying white if nationalist shit, you are pre if, as long as you're preaching their rhetoric, you are a white nationalist. And you want to know the crazy thing, now that you bring up Candace Owens, a.k.a. Auntie Ruckus, because that's what I call her. I like to call her Queen Bitch. I think it's a thing. I call her... I call her Auntie. I call her Auntie Ruckus because I'm not sinking to that level. I'm yeah, trying to keep the I won't stoop to her level because that's something she would say. And it's sad I have to put her in this category because I don't want to put down anybody, especially a woman of color, because they get it every day in some shape, form, or fashion. But in her case, I make the exception. She is what you would call a quote-unquote, forgive me, people, a coon dog. What a coon dog is, aka an overseer. Basically, they will use a black person to attack black people and quote unquote keep them in line. And that's what she is. But the difference between her and other quote unquote coon dogs, they action. 
they don't even like her. Oh, they can't stand her. They don't even like her. Like, that's even funny. But enough about Auntie Ruckus. Enough about her. But back to the matter at hand with Mr. Lewis. So this is another guy that got railroaded in the system. So when we come back, we're going to talk about other similar cases to his. You guys good with that? Sure. Hey, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. So in this segment, I wanted to go over cases that are similar to the case of Julius Jones. Now, the first case, you have to be living under a complete rock to not have heard of this case. A lot of us were old enough to remember this case because we were babies when this happened. The case of um, the Central Park Five, now exonerated five. One of my earlier episodes talks about this case. Now, let me familiarize people who don't know what this case is about. A woman who went jogging at night at Central Park in Brooklyn during the late 80s was brutally attacked and raped. And unfortunately, five young men were wrongfully accused of said crime. Now, the prosecution attorney, Linda Fairstein, but on this podcast, we call her Linda Not Fairstein, was the prosecutor. And that orange man who used to be the president of the United States basically took out a $75,000 ad in the paper, putting a bounty on those young men's heads. And those young men spent decades behind bars until DNA evidence and a confession from the actual attacker and DNA confirmed said attack, confirmed the story, basically these young men. Well, they're not young men, they're way older than me, but they were teenagers when they were shot. Similar to Julius Jones. Because Julius Jones was 19 when he was arrested for said crime, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, basically, those young men were forced on one of the roughest to survive one of the roughest prisons in this in America, the infamous Rikers Island in New York City. Now, if you know anything about Rikers Island, for those of you who have had the displeasure of being car- incarcerated for whatever reason, you know why I'm saying that. So, here's another case, and this recently happened. The case of Chanel Lewis. Now, I mentioned his case earlier. A young woman went jogging, again, in her neighborhood of Ozone Park, Queens. Now, everybody is has the right to go jogging, I would assume, but... She was brutally attacked, raped, and murdered. A young man by Chanel Lewis that comes from the East Flatbush section of Brooklyn accused. And basically, they got a force out of this young man because he was, because he is, intellectually incompetent. 
So, how about another case that fits this rhetoric? The Scottsbury Boys. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll let you guys say what's the common denominator here. Oh, hold on a second. Hello? I'm actually doing my podcast right now, Mom. She's a guest on the show, too. <laughs> Mystery guest. <laughs> um, we're talking about um, a case, Mom, where a guy basically spent 20 years in jail for something he didn't do. Okay, Mom. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my mom. The mystery guest. <laughs> yeah! The mystery guest. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'll let you guys say it yourself. What was, what is the common denominator that happened to all these cases, including Julius Jones? What is the common denominator here? It's that obvious. I don't have to. I don't have to specify it. I'll say this though. The people that. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. This is a. This is um, a very significant case of legal injustice in the Jim Crow South. So it's, that alone should tell you what we're dealing with. Yeah. And I was just gonna say racial profiling. Racial profiling is one is basically the main common denominator. Common denominator is that the victims, conveniently every time a case like this pops up, happens to be of Caucasian descent. But you know the main, the main common denominator no one talks about? Both of the, all that face these crimes are finance because I don't like to say the word poor. They're financially challenged and have poor legal representation. They don't have a leg up when it comes to being able to fight for their freedoms, basically. Yeah. Because if the scales of justice are actually balanced, that means people would actually get competent legal representation that can tell them, look, if you sign this plea deal, you're basically going to jail for longer than you actually would. You're basically confessing to a crime. Just capitalism. Now, here's something that... Now, here's another scenario. I was watching this TV show. It's an Australian show that... I don't know who hasn't seen it. It's called Wentworth. I've heard of it. It's basically Orange is the New Black on steroids. Sprinkled with a little bit of crack. Oh, that's good. I've seen a few episodes. It's actually, it's not a comedy. It's basically like the female Oz. Just less rape. There's a lot of rape in Oz for those who haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Kind of hard to watch. You gotta have. You gotta have. Uh, imagine watching it at first at 12 years old and looking at your stepbrother and saying, "Yeah, this is our scared straight. We don't need the street. They got it." No kidding. Because imagine you come back. You're going your first day in. You um, David, you probably remember this. When Kenny came back from his um girlfriend's funeral, and he's looking for his two friends, and he sees the beast himself, the ball-headed Grim Reaper, Simon had a beast and just sit up and be like, "Welcome back, Kenny." Can you, can you imagine someone just sitting up in your cell just saying, "Welcome"? I could not imagine that. That would put the fear of God in me. Yeah, there you go. You don't need... There's your scared straight program, like you said. Just, uh... Don't get caught. <laughs> don't get caught. Don't, don't get commit, caught. Don't commit the crime. But... <laughs> like, not do... Not, not do crime, but just don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, the reason why I bring up Wentworth, because we had... Basically, they showed different inmates that clearly didn't belong there because they did the bare minimum. But because they had been there so long, they became a hardened criminal. Case in point, B. Smith, the main, the original main character. She was falsely accused of murder, ended up in jail, broke out of jail twice to commit two murders, and ended up becoming a lifer. Just products of their environment, you know. The fact that the character actually broke out of jail says a lot. That's a, that's hard to do, especially nowadays. Yeah, in this modern society, how the hell did you pull that off? And twice. Yeah, there actually, in reality, there was a prison break as recent as two years ago. There was a prison break. And now, here's a story, and it's true, about prison. In the state of Oklahoma and the state of Utah, you actually have to pay for your room and board while you're being incarcerated. So when you get out, when you you get out of prison, you're in debt for your room and board. So you're most likely going to commit a crime to pay off your debt. And get thrown back in Yep. So basically, they just get rich off of you no matter what. Yep. Yep. And let's not even discuss the job that you're given. They make the inmates that they're not getting paid to do 10 cents a day. It's barely anything because they can't, they know they won't be, they don't have to pay them a, you know, minimum wage. Yeah, because when you, for those of you who don't know this, when you become an inmate, all of your rights as a human being are stripped from you. You don't have the right to do business, you don't have the right to to anything except what they give you. Except what they give you. You are basically property of said state or county, whatever the case may be. So that means you can't even consent to give to have sex consensually with another inmate. So no matter what, it's considered rape. Yep. 
So it's like, yeah, ramen noodle soup and honey buns for as long as you're there. If it was your parents, it would be nice and not so nice in your parents' house. Because if it was your parents' house, you can come and go with you too. Depends. Debatable. Yeah. Your parents say you're grounded. Yeah, but but it's also not the same because you have a comfortable bed <laughs> and you don't have to and you don't have to worry about some guy telling you in the middle of the night keep that ass up. It'll probably, it'll probably just be your sibling, I guess, who will say that. But it won't be anything like that. And hopefully the food would be better. You know. <laughs> or some guy coming into your, being brought to someone's cell talking about, okay, you are now my sole property to do with as I so please. You don't have to do everything. We got about eight to five years. Yeah. Hey, go clean my shit up. Or, or some guy coming out have... saying, uh, I like you and I won't see you. We can do <laughs> We can do this way. way. We can yeah. do this to heart. For those of you who've never watched Boondocks, who have oh. watched Boondocks, the Boondocks warrior is actually is a real person. Oh, yeah, and he was paroled. Yeah, wasn't it uh, Dateline? With, uh, yeah. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Chris Hansen. Yeah. He said, I call you Chris Hansen. Oh, you, you can Watch bring it. those cameras in. That don't mean we don't never mind. <laughs> I'm here looking for booty. Man's butt. Man's booty. <laughs> I tell you what. I like you. And I want you. <laughs> now we can do it the easy way or the hard way. This is yours. It's like, we're not doing anything. Get over here. You're going to make me ruin that butt. <laughs> I will put up a fight. Make your choice. <laughs> I don't know which one I would rather get caught by. Either Damon or the Booty Warrior. I don't know. I'll take my chances with Damon. Well, you can actually run from Damon. The Booty you Warrior, he's a warrior of sorts, you know. Can't miss it. <laughs> I am a boy, Damon. We are not in prison anymore, Damon. <laughs> For you ladies, you have to deal with Juicy Lucy. She's on Wentworth. She's on Wentworth. She's a character on Wentworth, and she is known to sexually assault women. Oh, oh no. I'm yeah, I hear it's like a female version of Oz. Yeah, but eventually Juicy Lucy got what was coming from her when she did it to the last inmate, and she had a bad tooth. So they sent her to dental. And she was under anesthesia. The inmate that used to be the warden, Miss Ferguson, she used to be the warden until she killed the main character, B. So she ended up an inmate. And they tried everything to kill her, but nothing worked. They even tried to hang her in the middle of the, um, on the yard. And that didn't even work. Because Ferguson is damn near six feet tall. She's no joke. Tiptoe. She's like, a, like she's like a fighter fighter. 
Like, even some of the CEOs had a tough time dealing with us. So, Ferguson goes to where she's getting her tooth, where Juicy Lucy is getting her toothpick, sits on top of her and tells her, and I quote, you have licked your last pussy, Lucy. And then later on, you just see Lucy coming out of the out of the hall, wanting to scream and can't scream because Ferguson cut her tongue out. Damn, this show sounds incredible. And then when you see Lucy oh. after that, basically when she has something to say, she writes it down. Yeah. When she was cursing somebody out, she wrote that so quick and flipped them off. (laughs) (laughs) But when you see her come out of that hallway, it's like, oh my god. If Ferguson would have killed her, it'd have been nice. (laughs) This show sounds freaking nuts. It's pretty hardcore. No kidding. There was a new episode I've seen. And then you have this other character who was like the lover, the love interest for B. Smith. They have this thing in the prison called Top Dog, where basically that female is the the dude. Like they're the ones that have the relationship with the warden. They run things. Whatever they say goes. So pretty much daddy. Yeah. Like one of the punishments when you violate is because they have jobs and the top dog works in the laundry and they have this one press where they just stand there and press out sheets and stuff like that. If you violate, they bring you to the top dog and the top dog burns your hand on that on that press. Ooh. So, B. Smith was dead by now, so the person that took over for her was her lover, Kate. There was a kid that came into prison that was a terrorist, so to speak, and she needed money for her legal fees. A new inmate came in by the name of Lou Kelly and her lover, who was transgender. They were trying to get men- money up to so her lover, um, Ray. What was his name? Ray, or I can't remember the transgender character's name, but they were trying to get money up for him to get the operation, right? Okay, okay. To get the- so the terrorist girl found out about this and oh, stole no. the money. Stole the money, right? So now Luke Kelly and Kate are in beef and she's like, if you don't give me my money back, one of us is gonna die. So the girl Kate was in the shower one day and someone comes up behind her and just stabs her to ribbons and leaves her on the floor. So we the audience Oh, oh, what happened? So we, the audience, thought that it was, uh, what's her face? We thought it was Lou Kelly. Turns out it was a terrorist girl acting like it was her friend. Wow. Yeah, so that girl ended up permanently paralyzed as a result. So... And the same girl who did it tried to make sure Kelly, Lou Kelly, got blamed for the for the stabbing. But it was revealed that it really was her that did it. And Lou Kelly, at this point in time, took over as top dog. And she was like, "Okay, you 
cripple this girl over here. You, because of you, my lover did not get his operation and ended up dead because, well, somebody poisoned him trying to poison Luke Helen. So that's another story. So originally, they thought that they were just going to burn her hand and that was the end of the conversation. Nope. She was like, throw this bitch in the dryer. This but, show is Jesus. This show, man. I and, think it's on Netflix. Yeah, it is. Like originally, was, she was like, "Throw her in the dryer," but a CO came and she's like, hmm, "Dodge the bullet." So the character had to go into protective custody, and she was eating alone at night. You just saw two inmates grab her and bring her to the um the garbage section, oh. and it was. She was like, yeah, you thought you got away with it? No, you didn't. So they had a garbage can filled up with water, bleach, all types of things, and they just dumped her in there. Oh my god. And then they would let her come up to get air and then push her back in. Oh, this show is brutal. And then the last minute they brought her up, she's like, I have something to offer you. She's like, what? She's like, okay, this better be good. She whispered something in her ear, and she's like, okay, let her up. She's like, okay, this girl is under my protection now. Whatever beef y'all have with her, it's over. I wonder what was said. Basically, the terrorist girl had a plan to escape the prison. And she offered Luke Kelly um, the same tip. And the escape backfired because the dude used a bomb to blow up the wall where she was supposed to be and killed a few inmates and her. Good job. Good idea. Yeah, I've seen the end. Episodes. Yeah, but basically, that's a women's prison that was this hardcore. And of course, you had COs that were sleeping with the inmates. And As you do. Didn't, and didn't get caught, luckily. One of the, the main people that worked at the prison, that worked for a big corporation, which I was going to touch on, had a personal beef with the terrorist girl because her actions killed her son. So she would do like little things to her, like she had her hand, cause she came to inspect the prison one day and someone threw a balloon full of urine and it hit her. And she didn't know who threw it, so the terrorist girl got blamed and they left her all outside all night. And nighttime outside in Australia, I hear it's pretty cold. Then, there was another incident with the same two people where she made it, she took a CO's baton and beat her to ribbons. Like, just beat her. Yeah, just beat Yeah, so, basically, it took the romance, it took the um, romance out of prison. That show took the romance out of prison and showed how hardcore it could be. And then you had an inmate that was actually a cop. And her and that inmate had a sister that was there. But she was a both of them were boxers. Somebody found out that the girl was actually a cop. And they jumped her on the yard. It was something brutal to watch. And there was nothing they could do. 
this kind of shit happens in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So even though, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a fictional show here, it shows you the heart. Like these things are based on reality. Because I've spoken to people who were locked up, and I asked them what do they think about Orange is the New Black, and they were like, nope. That is what happened on that show is comedy. That's not the reality of the matter. They said the most realistic thing that happened on that show is what happened to um Pusey. Yeah, that one was yeah. that one struck a chord. That was the most realistic thing that happened. She's like them they were like them going to Max ending up in a maximum facility. She said, Yeah, that's real prison. Where um the, um, what's her name? Tasty, the actress that played Tasty, they beat her up for the death of that CEO. And it's like, yeah. And they said, yeah, that's what happened. Like, because one of the females I spoke to, she said she jailed, she was locked well, up. No, no, I thought it was Daya that, that was getting beat up for that, that CEO. It was Gaia and Tasty, because remember the big one? Yeah. The one that died? They yeah. They all said Tasty did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gaia got beat up for humps. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. And they said that is very accurate. Because I used to be, my, one of my co-workers, she was locked up for like two years on Rikers Island. She said that she was locked up with the rapper Foxy Brown and the rapper Remy Martin. Okay. And she said one of those inmates threw urine on a CO. And the inmate, the CO didn't say anything. She said one night they came back, opened her cell, and it was five COs, aka the turtles, and the turtles beat the skin off of her. And, like, they beat her up and they just left her in the cell. And she said that, like, they took it back to the old days of Riker's Island. Because the old days, like, if you touched a CO and they didn't like it. They hit the panic button, the turtles came, and they would beat you till you cried for your mother and would leave you in that cell, no medical attention. And they said there's a um, prison upstate, the federal prison that's upstate New York, where the COs up there are basically like Vikings. All they do is work out and kick ass. And they wait for you to do something just so they can put you through the paces and beat the, the taste out of you. And they love beating down gang members. They get, a, they get a kick out of beating up gang members. So that's part of the reason why uh, you mentioned it earlier, a red bandana was found. So they probably tried to lump Julius Jones in as a blood. Because they want to say he's a gang member, so let's make an example out of him. Was that ever established or no? Um, so there was a point where um, they suspected him of gang activity, but again, there's mixed evidence, and as far as we know, he's not a part of any gang. Okay, so that's another factor. Because when you go in front of a judge and you are a gang member, whether you are active or inactive, they're going to use that bias to come after you and make an example out of you. 
a prime example of that of what we're talking about another case the co-founder of one of the biggest street gangs in america the crips stanley williams aka cookie yep he was falsely arrested for a murder and the guy basically rehabilitated himself and got the nobel peace prize because he tried to fix something that he helped create because had he not created helped um raymond washington create the crips um sylvester i can't remember his last name but another one his name was pudding they would have never created the bloods that would have never happened you see what i mean well even then um the war on drugs played a huge role in the incarceration of um you know black men yeah that clearly actually the war on drugs was actually the war on black people yeah because i don't know for those of you who have ever seen snowfall it's based on the rise of the drug of the crack era in the 70s in the late 70s early 80s because crack hit america like the comet hit the dinosaurs and the thing about it is the government knew who all the major players were and when they got to a certain point they just locked them up Like the CIA, it's a known fact that the CIA was paying for a war in Colombia. So they would mm-hmm. buy the, they would get the drugs, the cocaine from them to bring here in America. And they knew who were, the, who, they knew who all the major dealers were. AZ Faison, Freeway Ricky Ross, um, Big Meech. I'm sure some of you have heard that name. And Mm -hmm. the list goes on. All of those guys I just named have either been shot, incarcerated and released, or are still incarcerated. Big Meech is still incarcerated and he's not getting out for another 20 years. Well, you know what they say, the CIA is one of the biggest gangs out there. Yeah, and the thing is you never see them coming. In fact, it's also a known fact that the CIA once conspired to kill Bob Marley. Oh, yeah, although yeah. Um, there's actually a... Th- I think we're, we're all familiar with the conspiracy theory that um, he was killed by the CIA. No, he wasn't killed by the CIA. He had a rare cancer. Yeah, it was a rare cancer, but even then... Um, I actually looked into this. I saw some claims on Facebook regarding that. and Yeah, um, yeah it was a rare form of cancer, not CIA involvement. Yeah, the CIA planned on killing him because they said he was one of the most dangerous men in the world next to Martin Luther King, uh, Marcus Garvey, and Malcolm X. Oh yeah, they especially went after Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. He's a, he was a socialist. He, and it's funny how like I see conservatives defend him. It's like, the guy was a socialist. Like 100%. And, and you know the funny thing about Martin Luther King? that two things the history books will not, three things the history books will not tell you about Martin Luther King. Number one, there were four assassination attempts on him. Only one succeeded, and not the one they told us in school. 
The first attempt on his life was a woman who came to meet him, allegedly, and she shook his head and said, I wanted to meet you, I've been meaning to meet you for a long time, and she stabbed him with a nail file. And the way she stabbed him, they, the operator said that if he would have sneezed, he would have died. So the way he was stabbed, according to the report, as if it was an assassin. So what type of people know how to pinpoint arteries like the heart, the liver, the lungs? Someone who is government trained. Number two, assassination attempt. The bombing of his home. Unfortunately, the bomb did not go off completely and it just caused a fire. Assassination, assassination attempt number three, the shooting. The one that we they rammed down our throats in school. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the iconic picture where they see Jesse Jackson and two other people pointed at where the shot came from. Now here's the assassination, the actual assassination. The shooting he actually could have survived. A nurse went into his room and smothered him with a pillow. And it was revealed that the FBI had a hand in it. Funny, right? That is hilarious. Now, here's another thing about Martin Luther King that most people don't know. A lot of people believe that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were in opposition of each other. In the beginning, yes. Because Malcolm X couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that you will allow someone to slap you in the face and don't retaliate. Because Malcolm's message was by any means necessary, correct? Yeah. yeah. So he couldn't understand why Martin would tell people, Martin Luther King would tell people to do that. But here's the thing that most people don't know. The two of them had a secret meeting. Just the two of them. No one knows what's, what's said but, because, but the two of them. It's been speculated over the years, but no one knows what was said. And the two of them actually did team up. And another thing most people don't know about Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, towards their deaths, Malcolm sounded more like Martin and Martin sounded more like Malcolm. Well, yeah, they were both uh, the grand team of things. They were both sincere radicals. Yeah. So basically, it was like Malcolm knew he was not going to live long. And we're going to touch on that on Malcolm on another episode. Both men knew they were not going to live very long because of what they were doing. Um, so real quick, one thing I would like to specify is I didn't want to interrupt you regarding how Martin Luther King Jr. died. Um, there's actually uh, what you mentioned is part of a old conspiracy theory that um, pretty much said that he was... Um, basically smothered by a pillow, but um, no, he did die from a gunshot wound. And actually, that book comes from a... Um, well, it's, it's kind of a mystery, but the post-caption, or at least the one where that claim came from, it cites a 2016 book by the lawyer, whose name is William Pepper, which was titled The Plot to Kill King, The Truth Behind the Assassination Attempt of Martin Luther King Jr. And the information has not been verified. Basically, Representative Ray, who um, did the tail end of his trial for King's murder, 
and right. has spent years trying to prove his innocence. Um, Ray died in prison in 1988. And he was basically. Yeah. But yeah, so far that one I've actually encountered, and yeah, it's a. Uh, well, thank you for the correction. Oh no problem, no problem. I just want to point that out because it, it it they're they're pretty frequent, especially it, they're frequent on the left too. Like yeah, we 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 definitely discuss a lot of far right propaganda for sure, but there's still some on the left that are not it needs accurate. Needs to be dispelled. Yes, it, that's the thing. Like propaganda is a, lo- a reason why a lot of things don't get solved. Because you got one crowd, one group saying, no, this is what happened. You have another group saying, no, this is what happened. And then people who would actually fix the problem is like, okay, who do we believe here? But yeah. Back to, but back to the, mess, the message at hand, our justice system is badly broken. Oh, for yep. sure. Our justice system is badly broken. Because for guys like Mr. Julius Jones, Chanel Lewis and various others. In fact, I remember as a kid, I was watching 60 Minutes and they were talking about death row, the innocent people who are sitting on death row. There were 20 guys sitting there that were being interviewed that after being on death row for close to a decade, it was finally proven that they did not commit the crime. And you had someone in the state of Texas he was 13 years old and the first person of his age to be executed in the state of Texas via electric chair. That's right, a 13-year-old, a judge sentenced a 13-year-old kid to go sit on Old Sparky. How do you like that? America. That is um... messed up. Yep. Now, here's another that a lot of people, even though it's not the same rhetoric, they had a documentary about this. It's on Netflix. No, 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 I'm wrong. I saw this on 48 Hours. It's about a young man who lives in the Midwest. He was falsely accused of a rape and murder. Why? Because of a drawing that he did because of certain drawings. Now, when we're kids, you draw certain things that people raise eyebrows at, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this kid didn't even get to enjoy his teens because one officer insisted that he committed the crime. The kid had to join the army just to get away. He joined the Navy. And he got kicked out of the Navy because of the allegations and spent two years in jail. And it was revealed through DNA that it was two adult men that kidnapped this woman, raped her, stabbed her up, and dropped her 20 feet from where he lived on his dad's farm. And when they asked the officer about it, he said, all I did was follow the clues. Really? No, you didn't. You have a personal beef with this young man. Or you have a personal beef with his family. Because they know the system won't protect them at the end of the day, so they can they think they can get away with it, which unfortunately they kind of can. Yeah, and I recently saw a video where two officers pulled over a guy and his girlfriend, and they said, "Oh well, we smell it smells like marijuana in here," and they searched the car, don't find anything. 
and he goes back and tells this guy like yo there's nothing in it it's like yeah we gotta find something so this guy finds he basically puts like a little thing of marijuana and arrests the guy his body cam footage catches everything so the dude had to sit in jail for six weeks before they, that footage came up and the two officers are NYPD and they're still on the force it's a fraternity. It's like a it's it's a frater- it's fraternity culture. Yeah, it is. It is. But I'm going to end this episode here, people. And here are my final thoughts. Innocence Act. Julius Jones is in jail. Where are you? Innocence Act. Chanel Lewis is still in jail. Where are you? Innocence acts. There are so many innocent young men and women behind bars unjustly. Where are you? These people need your help. I get it. There's so many, but people need to see you on the front lines. That's why I have that's why every chance I get, I use my platform to speak up for these people. I hope Julius Jones hears this and actually gets justice. And people can hear what we're talking about and start a petition to get him out of jail. That man's been behind bars for 20 years for a crime he clearly did not commit. That's worse than being behind bars for a crime you did commit. Could you imagine sitting in a room no bigger than your bathroom for 20 years waiting for someone to come tell you today is the day you die? Think about that. I leave you with that. I'd like to take this time to check to thank Conchita, Destiny, and David for being a guest on our show. Charlene could not be here today for technical difficulties, but she will be on our next episode. Join us next time when we talk up where we will have a women's forum where we will have current guests and new guests come to talk about everyday life of a woman and the things she has to put up with and deal with. Myself and Mr. David, we will ask questions and just listen. So, okay. okay. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, Rage Against the Machine, always seek to love, peace, and chicken grease. Deuces. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I out of here.